0: Welcome to the next episode of Business Blind Spots Exposed, the podcast. Click the subscribe button and follow us listening. All right, uh, we are on another brand new episode of the Business Blind Spots Exposed. And I've realized that is really, really long. So I'm going to call it the BBSE, Business Blind Spots Exposed podcast from now on. And the Business Blind Spots Exposed Podcast BBSE, as as I call it, started first as a personal journey for me, realizing that all my blind spots were directly related to how successful I could be. The stuff that I didn't know that I didn't know was that what held me back, sort of the glass ceilings, the uh, things that were pushing against me. As I started to discover that myself, I realized, oh gosh, I need to figure out what those blind spots are, and I started. Finding friends, colleagues, people a lot smarter than me who said, Yeah, Vanai, this is what's coming up next. And then all of the stuff, all of a sudden, stuff started moving out of the way and magic started to occur. That was the purpose of the Business Blind Spots Exposed BBSE podcast. So it's all about bringing in experts, people who see from perspective having been there and done that or having consulted with others to say, Let me tell you about something that you might run up against. As a company, my company, what we do is we use data to expose some of these blind spots. You can talk about employee engagement, you can talk about risk, you can talk about the customer experience, uh, employee loyalty and productivity. There's lots of different things that you can see through the data, but you need to know what is the story that you're looking for. And that's what you'll find here on the BBSE. Some of those stories and the narratives that have occurred that people said, yeah, there's something I wish I had known uh, something about. And today we've got a really exciting guest, uh, John Doan, who's going to talk to us a little bit about uh, himself and the company that he works for, MSI and Captives. How are you doing today, John?
1: I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me, I
0: Absolutely. I'm really excited about this. I think this is a really interesting topic to talk about. Uh, when I first learned about it, I was like, wow, there's a whole world here that I was not aware of. So, before we get started, though, and get into the real conversation, a couple of things. Uh, there's a lot of you who may or may not have heard some of the topics that John is talking about throughout the course list. Just tell us what type of business you're in, uh, where you're connecting from. We'd love to just start there. Just let us know who's on. Well, looks like we've already got a few people on already. Thanks for joining in. Just let us know who you are. But I want to tell you also some of the events that we've got coming up in the in next couple coming weeks. On April 20th, we've got David Dickey, uh, who is going to talk about how to recruit right by the numbers, how you can use data to get the right people on board to your company. Really important uh, part there. Uh, On April 13th, we have Olayinka, sorry, Olayinka Yuola. She's coming in to talk to us about the top behaviors of successful women (laughs) business leaders. She's going to talk to us about, What are the trends and the patterns that she's seen over time from top and successful women, business leaders? What do they do so well that gets them where they are? On April 8th, we've got Lee Lam. Lee has had a really successful career and she's gonna come and talk to us about how better culture comes from understanding your data. Coming back and revisiting that point. If you understand where your data is, you can understand the truth in your business. But that brings us to John today. Uh, John has done some really amazing things in his career, and I'd like to tell you read a little bit about his bio and why I brought him onto the BBSE podcast. So he works for a company called MSI Management Services International. It's a captive insurance uh, company management organization, and I think he's going to explain a little bit uh, to us here and a little bit about what captives are, all are. He uh, started his career in insurance back in the 1990s after graduation, graduation from South Dakota south dakota state university stumbling on words today uh after earning a bs in economics uh as a 23 year old he successfully opened a new territory from scratch um he was a specialty pharmaceutical rep for several years in 2004 john returned to insurance and inherited a territory with the loss worst loss history in the company 18 months later he transformed it the biggest loser into one of the most profitable territories in the company. So he kind of understands the numbers himself and how it all works behind the scenes and the stories behind it, the empathy, if, if you will. Uh, 2019, John entered captive insurance as a national sales manager at MSI, and enjoys solving risk problems that cause many sleepless nights for business owners. John, I love that story and the journey of kind of, what I think if you read between the lines here, you started with a lot of the numbers with a degree in economics, but it was all about the story of what's happening in the business. Am I getting that right? Is that kind of what really enabled you get to get where you are today?
1: Vinay, you're you're absolutely right. The data provides necessary information in order to in order to analyze the risk that that a business has, and it's not something that's always very easy to do because insurance is 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 reactive in general not so much proactive and when you find uh, when you find businesses that have risk problems you can work with them best if you can get to the root cause of those issues and then further go ahead and document the new policies and procedures in order to demonstrate that you've figured out what the problem was and how you're going to avoid it
0: in the future. So there's a lot that you just said right there that I'd like to unpack, right? The first time I ever met you, you started to talk to me about captives and how it shifts, pardon the language here, but shifts it on its head, right? Uh, You think about risk a completely different way. Every single business has got risk. That's, That's end of statement right there. But what you all do for companies as a captive flips it around. Tell me a little more about what a captive is and how people should think of a captive and what it really means or what it could potentially do. Sure. Um, A
1: captive insurance is pretty simple it's where a business owner owns their own insurance company. Think of it as their own state farm, it's a licensed property casualty insurance company where they insure some of their own risk and they retain the profits generated in their own insurance company and they also receive um, income tax benefits uh, for for putting together more complete risk management and something that is speak about about risk that's important to note uh, captives are typically going to be integrated with other insurance policies that you have and so you know, there are many different captive managers out there, everyone has their has their specialty, but really what a captive manager does is it, you, you, you're outsourcing all the heavy lifting that's necessary for an insurance company. You can focus on your business and making it work better because it would, quite frankly, it would be too daunting a task in order to Try and run your own insurance company. I think it's also important to note that even using a captive in conjunction with other business insurance, there's still going to be some risk that's that's not going to be covered. And it's okay to accept some of that. Uh, You just simply need to analyze where you're at and your in your comfort level as you're as you're moving forward. And I think, and i said this very well before, having Ownership in your risk management program, um, i.e., captive insurance, is is a really fantastic concept. It's one that Fortune 500 companies have used for decades. 90% or more of Fortune 500 companies have captives. However, don't be thinking that you have to be Fortune 500 in order to have a captive. We work with a proprietary structure where Profitable businesses with as little as a million dollars in revenue can utilize our captive
0: solution. So, John, I, you know, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm very, I love stories. <laughs> uh, I think, I think everyone does. They're so much easier to understand. I remember you telling me a story because this whole idea of captives. I think can be very, very confusing, just sort of overwhelming as a concept. Look, I I know how insurance works. I know how it works on a personal level. So because I've got insurance at home, I'm like, all right, this is how it works for business, and that's all I need to know. But I think you're opening up a whole other can of worms for someone here, potentially. So you told me a story once, especially with regard to COVID, how a company did not have any coverage uh, because the business stopped because of COVID. Wasn't there a story there that you had told me once about how a captive kind of jumped into that situation to help? Wasn't there a story that you shared with me one time about that?
1: There was, and I, I think back and I think very fondly of, of the stories. So we were early on in COVID, uh, had a customer with uh, insurance brokerage that had, had just started their captive. And part of the process is to do a risk analysis, to look at where you're vulnerable and also to choose from amongst any number of different insurance um, policies that are probably not covered under commercial insurance so at any rate my client calls me and he's concerned about making payroll Uh, now i understand he had to reorganize really his whole business but it was so gratifying for me to say hey when we set up your captive you, me, your your, insur- your um, financial advisor, all agreed on some coverages, one of which is business interruption insurance. So now all of a sudden he didn't have to uh, think he needed to raid his, the, the uh, reserves in his captive, but he would be uh, receiving the benefits of that claim. And something that's real important to note here, captives have broader coverage with fewer exclusions as a rule and there's never an always and what so many businesses learned was that their business interruption insurance that they purchased had a requirement of physical damage and also had a couple important exclusions being as a result of bacteria and virus now business interruption insurance in most commercial policies. It's a good coverage. It does really, really good things. I had had a couple of clients total losses uh, due, to, um, due to due to fires. The other one was was smoke damage. And what that did was we moved them over to a new location. They were able to take care of their customers while everything got back up. But the courts are ruling as this is challenged that hey there's no there, there's no physical damage with covid and you know the exclusions they've been there for ages and quite frankly the exclusions needed to be there the reason why is h1n1 sars early 2000s they realized the exposure was incredible and so if those coverages had been left in there the premiums would have been out of reach, that just simply would not have worked. And so that would have kept people out of that area. And yet there are so many situations where the business interruption insurance in commercial policies is there, but no insurance is going to cover everything. And it's important to know what what policies do not cover.
0: So a couple of things are coming up for me uh, here, and one of them is a question that someone asked: Is was am, am I big enough to be a captive? And I think the the answer to that already is you have to be about a million in revenue in order to be able to uh, afford a captive. Is, is I think what I heard from you a little earlier. That's that's the first question I heard. Something else that came up for me along as you're saying this, and as a I always love my analogies too. Buying a suit off the rack. Uh, You know, I've, I've, you know, I'm a 44 long, that's, uh, that's the, uh, you know, jacket size. 44 long is good, but it's not a great fit. It's a general fit. I think of a captive is, it's when you go to the tailor and say, hey, I needed you to take it in just a little bit here. I need you to make it a little shorter here or just open it up in the shoulders. I mean, my massive chest, you know, I got to open it up in the chest a little bit, right? So that's that's what I'm hearing with a captive is as an analogy there, right? You've got this general one-size-fits-all from the big insurers. A captive kind of is like going to the tailor and tuning it to your organization. Am I saying that right? I really like your analogy,
1: and I have always liked your analogies because those stories and such—that's what—that's what makes it real. And I, I would love to have a tailor-made suit uh, uh, sometime. But you know, you're—you're you're right. Um, there are differences between businesses. It could be even in the same industry space where some risk is, you know, is more important to to one of those one of those practices and not the other so it's important to go ahead and do assess some of that risk and you know determine you know do you have the need because captives are not for everyone they're they do a lot of good things for many many businesses thousands and thousands of businesses um but you have it has to be right on on any number of of levels and i yes the uh the captive analogy about the suit is very good
0: so, you know, we call it business blind spots exposed. So I'm, I'm kind of constantly thinking in terms of distilling these into blind spots here. The first one I heard is that you very early on said that insurance is reactive. What a captive allows you to do is shift it from being completely a one size fits all reactive level of insurance that everybody has commercial workman's comp, commercial auto, workman's comp, so on, so, uh, so forth, errors and omissions, which everybody likely has. To being a little more proactive in the way you run your company because you now have built this tailor made suit. That in the case of this, uh, uh, in the case of COVID, there was an interruption in service uh, or interruption of capability of providing service for the business, but they had captive insurance that said, yeah, that, that risk is covered. And you can now run instead of dipping into a PPP loan or something else, you've the got thing to. Uh, and, and you know I, I want to as i am as i am property casualty
1: insurance agent and held licenses over 20 years in four different states your, your insurance agent or broker is there to assist you with as much customization as they can for your business so they're there with Vanai to say hey yeah we confirm the 44 long is the right one uh don't don't look at the regulars. Stay out of the shorts. You don't need the, uh, you know, the real big man's coverage. And you should have very good interaction with your insurance, with your insurance agent or broker. If you don't, go find another one. Um, and you should also read read your policies. But yes, captives do bring businesses into much more of a proactive scenario rather than reactive. So something that's, that's current, that's, that's real. So the, uh, the container ship, the 1300 foot container ship that was grounded in the, uh, in the Suez Canal. Yep. So well, they had containers with all sorts of different uh, goods, uh, many of which are really important in order to build another company's products. So you have a, a worldwide supply chain and if you don't if you don't have those those parts then you're really not in business so a supply chain interruption can be devastating on a number of levels and so captives allow business uh, especially in choosing for instance supply chain interruption or loss of case supplier to take care of the what-ifs before they happen And in the cases where during a policy year, they don't have claims on those coverages, well, that's great because you're keeping the profits from those policies where instead, and commercial policies are good, they're a great baseline. At the end of the day, at the end of the policy year, you're left with a canceled check. So this is an opportunity to, as we say, risk management made, Profitable, you're able to um, share your unique risks and also benefit from
0: the profits on that particular insurance coverage. So let me let me play this back to you, kind of the way I'm hearing it, right, and the way someone who's never heard of a captive. And I'd encourage anyone who is on, let me know. Have you ever heard of a captive before? Just uh, type yes, Y for yes, and, and for no. I'd I'd love to hear. How many people are on have heard of a captive or captive insurance before? Uh, and what, what you know of it so far, if you, if you have heard of it. Uh, so if I look at a business, it, three different plumbing companies have three different sets of risks. Three different pest control companies have three different sets of risks based on the types of chemicals that they apply, based on the types of services, whether they do residential, whether they do uh, commercial, Those are all different levels of risk. And while a general, you know, an all-state insurance may give you commercial auto insurance, they don't give you anything around the risk for that particular employee. And I'm just making up a hypothetical scenario. I think I might be projecting a bit here. Am I starting to understand that a little bit more in terms of sort of the ability that you can tune so you can create for three different pest control companies, kind of customized policy based on the type of risk, based on the... Type of business that they run. Am I getting that right? Uh, that's that's correct, Vinay. There, you no, know, you, there's so many
1: variables between different businesses that y- you have to look at it really from the ground up. You know, as <laughs> as I spent you know 15 years um, you know, boots on the ground, the front line of writing business insurance i went ahead and would do a risk assessment of sort with that prospect because sometimes some other agents may have said oh give me your policies and we'll just you know, we'll give you a quote we'll we'll work on that well, i never want to take the chance of doing something that wasn't optimum because you don't know what changes may may be there year to year and you know, the captive helps to uh, uncover those types of risk. Uh, they can come up with other ways where if, if, if premiums are large enough, it's possible to go back to the commercial carrier and say, hey, we're interested in owning a big part of this risk, let's say 250,000 or, or 500,000. And in turn, they can push that business owner can push that risk over into their captive via deductible reimbursement, and especially those businesses which are having issues with the hard commercial insurance market. What that means is there're fewer carriers. I spoke with a broker right before this call who uh, he went through twenty-seven different insurance companies before he found coverage so so there are a lot fewer players many companies who may have said we're interested in this in past years say nope we're not writing that this this year and of course premiums change and that's that's across the board it isn't picking on on any one company but insurance companies all of them have reinsurance so they're buying insurance on their book of business and There's a there's what's called an attachment point and let's say it's five hundred thousand dollars. So that claim up to five hundred thousand would be really pretty devastating to the insurance carrier. They're gonna have to bear the brunt of the whole thing. Whereas if you take on that risk yourself and also cover that risk in your captive, then that's very that's very profitable business for the insurance company and you might be amazed at what kind of premium differences that could make it's really pretty amazing um, some cases may see 50 or more premium reduction and then in turn you're paying yourself into the captive and you're not exposing yourself to any more risk
0: so i, I the first time you the light bulb went off my head when i heard about captives i think you and i were talking and the, the, the analogy I made there, and I, I think this is still right, is, look, I'm going to be, let's just say, for example, I'm going to be paying it instead of, uh, let's say, a risk to to um, a place to live, right? I'm going to pay $1,000 a month to rent an apartment, all right? I've got to pay $1,000 a month. That's the regular insurance that I have. Or I can take that $1,000 and put another $100 on top of it, so I'm paying $1,100 a month instead, but I am now insuring... Some of, I'm taking over some of that risk. Everyone says, oh, you're paying more every month. Yeah, but if you start to assume that that house appreciates over time, that you start to get uh, appreciation in the equity that you're buying there, three years later, that $100,000 house might be worth $112,000, $115,000. Uh, you have now gained equity by paying that that more equity than just paying that extra 100 dollars a month because you've controlled it by yourself so you've built equity in that you've now turned it into a profit as opposed to just writing a rent check did i did i explain that properly and is that analogy still valid there that's
1: yes that is valid and i'm i'll remember to use that more in the future because that paints a really nice picture of of what's happening and you know there are some coverages that can be in the captive that could also be in a uh, could also be written on commercial insurance policies and when looking at that from the onset you know, granted premiums are more because more is covered but in order to try and make much more accurate comparisons you can't simply compare the premiums what you have to look at is the net cost on that and when you when you look at the profit center that's created it's pretty remarkable now a good candidate for a captive is not a business who I would call them a sloppy operator you know someone if it's pest control and you're in their back room you know, they just have their stuff thrown anywhere haphazard um, you go ahead and look at their their company vans and their mismatched tires and leaks leaks all over the place. It when they have when when someone doesn't care about claims and doesn't work to prevent them, that's not going to be a good candidate for a captive. Uh, but there are so many businesses that are real conscientious in how they offer, that how they operate that the captive can make an awful lot of sense for them.
0: So, I mean, let, let me extend that sort of home ownership uh, analogy a little bit further, right? If you're going to trash your place, uh, owning your own house probably doesn't make a lot of sense because you're just paying for it. But if you actually keep your house in order over the course <clears throat> of the next 10 years, that house is gonna, not only going to go up in value, it's going to increase in value because you continue to upgrade it, you continue to add value because of the aesthetic beauty of it and the way it's maintained, uh, you'll get even more resale. Uh, and I think there's, there's that analogy is still working in, in the way I'm thinking about it, right? If you're if you're if you're taking care of your, pay attention to it, why the hell wouldn't it sell for more, right? Because you can say this comes along with it. It's kind of the way I'm thinking about it. Yep, absolutely. Then um, I think this is a, kind of an important time to
1: talk a little bit about. So, you know, who makes a good captive prospect? Um, my risk management on the barking dog in the back in the background is not all that good, but we'll still work through the, the distractions. So, um, but at any rate, if someone comes to me and says, well, I am having trouble finding this insurance. I want to do some of this on my own. And, you know, I want to do it for maybe a year or two. If that is the situation, I'm going to be very straightforward and say, you know, look, that's a nice idea that you have but in order for this to work well for you you probably need to be able to be in that for a minimum of five years or more Uh, it's not it's not a it's not a band-aid approach as in you know going to another insurance carrier for a certain coverage there has to be some some commitment to that because if if the benefits don't exceed the costs, it's not really a, it's
0: not really, really not a good business decision. So, you know, as, as a company, as my company focuses, Carmo focuses a lot on data, <clears throat> we try to identify for companies who are the employees, what are the processes, what are the practices in a company that are not going so well, right? They're uncertain. If a company is tending to that, paying attention to which employees are productive, produce the right outcomes, get good customer reviews, have, a, have great customer loyalty, um, good accounts receivable, payable, you know all of those processes are working well, I think those are the kinds of companies that actually might benefit the most from a captive because they're keeping their house in order. Is, is that a leap of faith right there? No, I mean that's that's going to be that's going to be very accurate
1: now that's not to say that a business who has claims is 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 a bad candidate for a captive because claims happen uh if you look at it from the right standpoint uh, and find that root cause of the claim and do something about it then you could still be a good uh, candidate for for captive Uh, but you have to be you know conscientious so as i was Again, on the front lines and writing commercial insurance for healthcare-related companies, some of my peers, if they had seen someone who you know, they knew had had some claims history, they might just stop and say, "Oh, they've got claims. No, that that's not going to, that's not going to work." And I looked at it differently and said, "All right, if I can, with that owner's help, if we can articulate." specifically what happened in that situation and then provide their their plan their rationale for avoiding that in the future that's a great prospect that business owner could and did benefit from um you know, from from the programs that that i offered them um, so you know don't think that some claims are a reason to not consider a captive. Uh, it's more a matter of have you learned from that? And it's hard to determine root causes in some cases. That's why I like what uh, Vanai does does so much because whenever you can you know, really qualify and quantify what happens, then you have power to change it. And just kind of I guess the, the scenario about claims not necessarily being bad if you. You work with them it's kind of as vanaya says well you you're you analyze and you're going to have some employees that are more productive than others but all of them could become more productive if they come in and manage that risk which it does include insurance does include captive insurance um, but all very important are you know, changes changes in the way that you do business so that you don't um, so you don't get a pattern of repeating that. And even when there are patterns, if someone can show that they've taken steps to break that and that it's unlikely to happen in the future, if you have a really good partner with your insurance agent or broker, then maybe it will do some pretty amazing things for you. So I don't want to paint the picture that you have to be the never had any claims kind of person because that's not, re- that's not reality. Uh, we just have to... Look at it as you know what's the issue with uh, pest control company A, and it could be completely different than B and C, but yeah, it still holds a little bit of guideline.
0: So I, I, so let let me uh, distill that kind of what I wrote down here as a as a blind spot is I think a lot of uh, leadership for companies, uh, owners of companies, spend a lot of time and effort in investing in their employees, in investing in processes, investing in procedures in the company, and they may never find that there's really a tangible benefit to doing that. They just feel like they're kind of trying to keep up with everyone else and they they just got to do this. I think there's a way to actually monetize the process, procedures, the due diligence that you take as an owner or senior leadership in a company and actually put it to your positive gain. And that's what a captive could potentially do here is say, Hey, look, we've got a process for mitigating our risk. We've got a process for managing you know, someone's going off the deep end in terms of their driver behavior or their 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 actions on site. We've got a program and we've got a process at home at our company that brings them back in line. That's something that a captive would actually reward. You can monetize that uh, those those internal processes. Did did I hear that right as well? You, you did.
1: You 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 absolutely heard that right and thinking in terms of business owners of multi-million dollar liability claims and they um, they had their time where um, they couldn't sleep well at night uh, because that that was really weighing on them heavily now I'd written the coverage correctly for them and looked at gaps that could be there that we could in turn turn cover but it's it's hard to put a value on know the some of the toll that that can take for you and some businesses are in a good situation with cash flow and such and they look at it and say well i don't need to buy it from the from the commercial insurance market i don't need to buy it from a captive Uh, i know i'm i've got some procedures and i'm just going to let it roll well that's all well and good and maybe it'll work but uh, when something does come up you're way behind the eight ball because insurance companies, captive or otherwise, um, they have staff that's there to get onto a process with the right experts as quickly as possible. And when that's done, it it keeps things out of court. Uh, judgments are smaller, and uh, you know you take you you turn something um, you take something that could really explode and it's just like a
0: campfire and before you know it you can put it out um that's an interesting uh, way of putting things you know as you were talking through this i just read a quote from someone a little earlier today and they said discipline is the idea of giving up something for today for just today well, you're sacrificing something for today so that you can have what you want over the next couple of decades or years. And I think that's, there's, there's an opportunity there. If that's the way you think, and it's, it's kind of, that's why I like it so much. And why I want to bring you on to talk about this, you know, very early on, as soon as I got out of college, the first thing I did was I bought a condo and that condo has served me many, many times over. and am to buy real estate and it's just continuing to gain equity. Right. I, you know, If I spend 40 hours a year on a piece of real estate, it's a lot. But gosh, it's 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 given me a return. And I think there's a similar analog again here. It just makes so much sense. Over time, it just starts to compound in terms of the value that you get out of it. So for me, it seems like this should be a no-brainer. It just takes a little bit of discipline to kind of get over the hump to do it the first time and understand how it can help you. So why don't more people do it, John? It seems kind of like a no-brainer to me. <laughs> Well, that's
1: exactly what uh, the owners of a, uh, actually a garage door um, company yesterday said. We spoke for about ninety minutes, and you know, as you said, distill things down and you know, look look specifically. And that was their comment. And I have to, I have to agree. Um, you know, when you end up with with less risk, more profit, less hassles, it's a no. It's a no-brainer now here's here's where i think the the disconnect lies other captive managers tend to be interested in companies that have 10 million or more annual revenue so that may have stuck in many people's minds now msi we're interested in that um, but we're also interested in the smaller captives because you can have very profitable businesses that realize the the risks that are out there. That's a huge advantage for them to to go with a captive solution, because when you're talking about the equity that's that's building, the I it's very very significant, and it's also outside of your operating business. So it it is it's another significant asset uh, that that you're creating with. With the captive, and so really getting the word out is probably one of the bigger challenges, um, you know, for many different business solutions. But you know, I think people have the misnomer. Oh, I've got to be Fortune five hundred in order to do this. No, you you, know, you need to have enough revenue. In our case, a million dollars or more. You need to be profitable, and you know, you're looking to. Uh, take care of risk that's out there, and also reap the rewards. So insurance companies are profitable. So your insurance company should be
0: profitable as well. So the So let, let me let me kind of break this down because I, again, it, it it makes so much sense to me. And and when I was really young, I kind of got into real estate with the idea that you know I I'm going to be writing a check for a thousand dollars a month to someone else. Why would not I want to write that check to myself instead? And is there a way I can have my cake and eat it too. And that's that's what I hear in a captive. So the, the, again, the challenge is the discipline of just taking the time to do it. I think a lot of people are fighting fires all the time. So because they're fighting fires all the time, they just don't have the time to sit down. But if, you're, if you've got some extra cash that you're sitting in your pocket saying, hey, things are going well here. Where do I go next? This is an opportunity for you to potentially invest uh, and create an asset out of what was formerly a risk. So now you're creating profitability out of something that was prior to just a check that you never see again. Exactly. Right? I mean, that's it. Yeah. Wow. Um, and So you know, the a lot of my
1: interest in captives uh, came from very good um, clients. mine they they worked hard. They didn't have significant claims. Um, those of you familiar with workers' comp, there's what's called an experience modifier in most states. It starts for a new business at 1.0. If you have less claims than, um, than than expected, it can go below one. If you have bad claims experience, um, it goes up from there. It may go up over two. It just, just depends on what's going on, but, I, you know i looked for you know what can i do for these people in order to help them um, to be able to not just pay so much to something with with no return. so you look at drug and alcohol free discount uh perhaps a small deductible on the work on on the workers comp I still couldn't do much though and you know uh, whereas if you, you know, you're taking that equity on and taking some of that reasonable risk uh, you end up with something because well, let's face it. Who really loves writing insurance? Pre- writing the checks for insurance premium. Right. I can't think of anybody.
0: It's yeah, kind of might as well. Write. A, might as well write. A ne-
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a necessary. It's a necessary evil. And we talked a little bit earlier about insurance being somewhat being uh, reactive in general. So. The captive can help you forecast changes that you know are going to be happening in your business, and you can custom make a policy for that risk. You don't have to be waiting for um, waiting to get things um, get things moving with an insurance company. That you know, by nature they're going to be very conservative, which is not a bad thing. Uh, but I hate hate to think of the situations where someone has not taken a good business idea and run with it because uh, because of the concerns with uh, with insurance and so you know, those of you who are I'll call you serial entrepreneurs captive can do a lot of good things for you and you know help keep you
0: relative um, keep you as an innovator so give me some examples um... Because I think, I mean, I think in, uh, in we've been talking a lot in theory here in terms of what it can do outside of that COVID example. So, you know, I'll pick a pest control company because we were talking about that a little earlier. Pest control companies got workman's comp. It's got errors uh, and emissions potentially. It's got uh, commercial vehicle insurance. Um, what? What do I need beyond that? What, what? Give me a hypothetical example of what you would come in to create uh more value through the captive any ideas there could be many many
1: number of of coverages which can benefit the business greatly um, one that is overlooked is re- is the expense of of keeping up your reputation reputation expense that's a big deal and you can incur some incredible costs
0: in trying to keep up your reputation. And I was saying- give, give me, I mean, tell, tell me more. What do, you, what do you mean by reputation? How do you measure that? And what does that mean to you? Here, here's a good example.
1: And we do work with some celebrity clients and they're concerned about, you know, they're, they're people that are being appropriate. They're not the troublemakers that that are the reason that the Me Too movement is, is there but they look at it and say okay if you have some sort of allegation things can get out of control quickly and so when you're in a scenario where you can bring in bring in experts in order to mitigate what has happened that's a pretty big deal and that's not going to be found at least that i know of in other insurance policies never want to say it's not available anywhere because it could be just think it would be if it is available it would be very hard to to find. Um, let me give you another give you a pest control company um, scenario so it's it's possible to ensure uh, against regulatory changes so let's say OSHA has a new regulation uh, in order to make this work for your pest control company uh, you'd incur 250 thousand dollars in expense now there's no reason you couldn't have insured that because those expenses come up and many business owners they say well it's just an expense well it is but is that how's the timing on that expense if you're expanding and borrowing money that would do that would really hurt your cash flow And in some cases, um, businesses that are running really, really lean, uh, they might find themselves in a situation where they have to um, downsize their business or go out of business. And so the captive gives you that freedom of of knowing you can address issues that are out there. They're going to be there one way or another, probably going to feel a whole lot better spending some insurance premium where you keep the profits, but you have the certainty of knowing you're not going to have um, some of those exposures out of pocket.
0: So something that came up to me is I remember when I was in uh, school, I learned about Lloyd's of London and the idea that Lloyd's of London as a company made lots of money as an insurance company because they basically their basic policy was willing to do anything. And with the British East India Company, they were trying all, people, all kinds of ventures were going out and about. Uh, and as a result of that, because there was lots of uh, potential risk in trying to sail from the UK over to India. So lots of enterprises, lots of ventures. Lloyds of London said, yeah, we'll ensure it. We'll just have to figure out what the numbers are. Sure. I I think what I'm hearing a little bit from you is if I were as a business owner to say, hey, I want to take a new risk or I want to try something new in my company, execution, I might be able to shore that up with maybe a little bit of... um, you know, I'm trying to brand new product to the market. I want to try it as something that'll differentiate me from others. Maybe a captive might be one way to give me a backstop against losing too much. Is that, am I thinking right there in in, in Absolutely. Um, backstop is really a, a
1: perfect type of word. I mean, Many business owners uh, with group health insurance may take on some risk in that. Uh, along with the potential with the reward of of lowering premiums and they just kind of work with that um, out of out of pocket Um, that would be another place where a captive could provide potentially provide medical stop-loss coverage which may make a lot of sense it just depends on the situation but there's some risks that you don't have to take Take the whole risk on yourself, if you simply look for
0: uh, look for other ways. Hmm. So, I I mean, I I, I am I'm completely completely in my head right now in terms of ideas and and thoughts in terms of what we can do here. I'm just thinking myself. Gosh, it, it. So, for a company that is expanding, for a company that's growing risk is going to continue to change for them as they grow, as they expand. As they open up a new market, they've got two offices, they're looking to open up a third office. They can say, hey, let you know this reputation uh, management, I, I don't want uh, in our expansion efforts in this third <laughs> office, I don't want it to hurt the core company. Uh, and I want to put something in there. Uh, into a captive to make sure that, hey, I get this thing up and running and all of a sudden I have one customer that says something that goes goes viral, goes bad, right? Uh, and leads to something that and all of a sudden people are dragging my name through the mud. I can have dollars set aside as part of this captive to make sure that I've got that backstop or stop loss on that particular issue. Uh, so it's a whole way to kind of, Build, build that, that backstop or against any sort of new ventures and new ideas and new risks that I have as a company. It's, it's a way to grow my company with a little bit of a a plan B is the way I'm hearing it, is that right? You're absolutely
1: correct. And this is probably a good time to um, to discuss uh, risk distribution and risk shift. Those are you know, part of the, the process of, of insurance. And things are, regardless of the um, captive manager um, there's going to be some pooling of sorts of this risk so what that means to you is it's not a scenario where you have a claim and you come and chop a hundred thousand dollars out of your out of your captive reserves you would have a share of that and the amount of the share would course depend upon the captive manager and the way that they are um uh, the way that they're managing but you're not going to be it's it's not just a savings account that you that you write checks out of um additionally a captive is not a place where you could um you know write yourself a claims check for any and all types of risk it's very much the same as um as other insurance coverages, you know, your business is choosing the coverages that you want to put in your captive. And you're also then paying premiums to the captive. So where um, I can't, don't really want to call some of these people captives because they just had that in name only and looked at things and said, oh, we can just write ourselves um, a check for you know whatever and not have any justification or anything like that. It's not the way an insurance company operates. And uh, those bad operators, bad apples, um, are the ones in the captive world that get noticed. And And they can get a good bit of press. But if you take more than 15 or 20 seconds as you go through a Google search and see something that's not good, if you dig deeper into it, you'll find that what happened there was completely reasonable because to act as an insurance company, um, there are any number of things you need to do. Um, one, you have, you have, you have policies, um, and their policies for risks that are likely to happen. Uh, case going back some, some time, um, it was actually with a dentist and was looking at the insurance side of things which is crucial that's why you're doing this in the first place and so he drew up a policy uh, to protect himself um for the risk involved with a dirty bomb huh. so you know, the things have to be for for real for real risk and uh, and 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 in doing so you're in without analysis and Know, rates are determined by an actuary. Um, technically, you may not have to do that, but in in some of the the, the cases where where the IRS took captive to uh, to task, the one ahead. Businesses kind of went ahead and did the dartboard approach on the premiums. You have to have basis for that, and that's you know that's crucial. Um, in addition, so it might sound real simple, but the insurance company has to issue the policies um, one of the most recent um, irs cases it was a really bad apple um they didn't have anything to do with actually running an insurance company they went ahead and you know wrote themselves claims checks um and they didn't have they didn't put those coverages in their in their captive well you, you have to buy insurance for whatever it is in order to be able to make a claim on it um, and then kind of the other, the other side of things is you need to have claims procedures because claims come up and those are all the elements that you know, your state farm or travelers or whomever else has in place. That's in place on your homeowner's insurance, your auto insurance. Um, uh, those are all parts of what an insurance company does.
0: And it's crucial that they're there. This is, uh, it's all really interesting stuff. It sounds like there's an opportunity for companies that have been doing, that are trying to take the right efforts and the right steps to do well as a company to, to do better and, and, and maybe even financially put themselves in a better position over time just by shifting uh, the risk distribution or the, that risk shift. And it's by uh, leveraging Captive. I want to, because we're getting, we're, we're gosh, time has gone actually a lot faster than I had expected. Uh, I want to kind of summarize a couple of things that I heard throughout the co- course of this as, as as blind spots that people could potentially investigate, um, and and think about. Because I'd love to get some sort of take home messages from you in terms of where people can start if they if if this is something interesting to them. So a couple of things I heard is insurance is reactive. And, and a captive shifts you to a potentially proactive stance. Don't don't get don't be behind the eight ball. Start to maybe get ahead of the eight ball. Uh, general a general broker and agency can customize within the constructs of what Allstate or Nationwide or you know one of the, you know, State Farm any of the big carriers out there do. But it is still a one size fits all. Right, it is at the forty four long uh, suit. Uh, If you really want to make it tailor fit, that it fits perfectly and it looks bespoke, that's what a captive will will do for you. And it just fits a lot better and it will uh, put you in a better position over time. And how so is that you build equity in your risk management over time as opposed to just writing a check every month. You got to do that anyway, right? So it's it's not so much about the money that you're writing a check for every month. Uh, It's more about this idea that you go from um, just writing it, never seeing it again, renting versus building that equity in the process yourself and, and potentially building some more profitability for stuff. Did I capture those right? And if that's right, where, where does someone start? Give me a, give me a sense of how, how they start this process.
1: Well, you're, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right in, in your, in your synopsis there than I, um, mention one other thing, cause it's, it's very important, um, The the United States has 36 states that have captive laws on the books. So Mm -hmm. what that means is it's very unlikely that someone might need to have their captive regulated offshore. So NSI, we domicile our captives in North Carolina, which is a very, um, very captive friendly State and insurance department, and yet as we're in North Carolina, we can write coverage, and we do write coverage um, all all around the country. So that you know that doesn't um, that that's not a hindrance. Uh, when you know when making the the decision on on the captive, you have to be able to come in and really take a deep dive and a hard look at yourself to see well what you know what's there, what could we do better um you know another area that in just a description for a business that i'd say is probably going to be there it's probably going to be a business that's pretty well established they have cash flow good cash flow they have good um good profit uh but if someone's you know hand to mouth and leverage to the hilt more than likely they're not going to be a real good candidate for um for the captive although there are always exceptions to um to the rule um, you know msi we do turnkey captive management um i'm always available to answer answer questions my email is john with an h at the msi corp uh, com um, then i has my contact um, information as well and you know, in the starting phase you just have a pretty candid conversation and that can help because my role as national sales manager is to you know have the conversations with business owners to see whether or not a captive is a good solution and it's not always the case but in many cases it is um, with a captive manager you want someone that's going to do the service for you in a turnkey way we have a fixed price uh, depending upon um, the size of the captive for those management fees and with us you're not receiving individualized bills for the various processes that are done it's all included not every captive manager does that Um, there are some ways and structures where the amount of money that's necessary uh, capital contribution into the captive can be very nominal others may be maybe pretty pretty significant um it, this kind of comes into insurance in in general you know you you have to be comfortable with a captive manager you No, know, i like it You uh, i know that uh, when i joined msi that there was over 10 years experience and now we're over uh, you know approaching 15 years so it's good to have someone who's who's around. It's good to have someone who is meticulous. It's good to find someone who will tell people no. Sometimes I have on occasion, someone who has the idea, they're going to put a tremendous amount of premium in the captive. And it's way more than, um, than would be supported by the IRS. So there are certain guidelines and we stick to those guidelines. And don't vary from them uh, because this is an insurance company. It has to be done a certain way. And you there are no shortcuts. Um, when you start the process of, of working with the captive, um, there's a risk assessment, sometimes called an actuarial report or feasibility study. That is an expense that you're going to going to incur um, with us. You incur that one time then the management fees um, take care of any other actuarial work that um, that comes by. Then um, you know, on the on the asset side of things. So you decide to hang up your business. You've been there. You you when you start the captive, you know you're going to be there five years or however long. So you have this have this asset. This is real money sitting in your in your reserves, and some of that that money's been um, been getting returns there conservative assets um, so you have that asset and in most cases you're going to have the not only did you have the advantage of the tax deduction going in, but also you'll have the advantage when you when you cash out the assets of being taxed at long-term capital gains rates. So there you know there's just a plethora of reasons why a captive can work can work really well and you just have to find um you know, find a captive professional who you know, will listen to your scenario and and determine whether or not you can um, work with them um, and MSI, i'm never going to tell somebody that we have all solutions captive we don't we know what we do well and for the most part stick stick with that there are other types of captives that are um, that are available too uh, there are I do run into situations where business may belong to a group captive or some of their primary coverages and they understand that but they're still eligible to um, to own their own captive so captives are very flexible and the, the benefits of uh, having a captive are really really broad and that's that's what i like about it you don't have to you don't have to say no we can't find something you don't have to tell a business owner um you know and you talk about lloyd's that was in policies for lloyd's and tell them well this is kind of one size fits all yes you uh this is kind of the way it is it's is kind of your you know, your last resort and it, it can really be really be your friend when you get down to really making the decision it's very important to at least consider bringing in your cpa in on the discussions um, perhaps an attorney other trusted advisors uh we want to have that have that stand the test that's done as, as i put captives here on a regular basis and we welcome that and you know as, as kind of some backstop uh, for everything so msi is owned by some cpas. So jeremy Klumbick is a cpa president and managing partner and just like any other cpa he looks at things in the fine details uh, to make sure things are done, right um, Another partner is is uh, richard Klumbick, who is a nationally known tax attorney So we have a good background of, of knowledge. We've worked with hundreds of businesses with Captive Solutions and we found a, a formula that works pretty well for us. And we have a good retention year to year with the clients and, and really business grows off of referrals.
0: Well, I will say, uh, thank you for sharing with that, uh, John. I, I, I think that I- Every time I talk with you, I learn a little bit more about it and can't. As I learn from you. Thank you. I enjoy, enjoy having you as a friend and colleague. Thank you. Uh, and those who uh, joined us throughout the course of this, hopefully you found something. If there's any information that you need from John, we'll post his contact information as we start to post some of these uh, video clips. You should start to see this podcast on our YouTube channel. You'll also see probably in the next week or so, uh, you'll see it on Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Um, plus, you'll also see some of these little snippets and clips from these nuggets that uh, John has dropped. Uh, you'll see them on LinkedIn in the next couple of weeks. So, thank you, everyone, for those who joined, uh, and thank you, John. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you, everyone, watching for spending your valuable time. Hope you've taken away. Hope you've um, taken away some good, some good points. Um, from, from conversation. If you want to continue conversation, simply reach out to me and we'll be happy to take care of it for you.
0: I guarantee you, uh, John will take care of you. He's always a fantastic conversation for me.
1: (laughs) Thank you.